You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Challenging times. I said to a couple of people that I'm probably the worst person you can hug this morning, bearing in mind the environment that I work in. So I will be offended if you don't hug me, okay? So just letting you know, no, I'm joking, really. Um, <clears throat> as you can imagine, work is incredibly challenging at the moment um, um, for a number of reasons. Uh, so please um, pray for me. Pray for all those um, NHS staff who are right in the front line, um, nurses, doctors, porters, whatever they are, they are doing an amazing job and uh, we need to pray for them. Um, Also, um, some of you may know, some of you may not, um, I have to attend the funeral this week of my mother-in-law. As many of you know, I lost my mum uh, towards the back end of last year. And, um, and now um, my mother-in-law has died and um, we have a funeral this week. So um, please pray for me. Um, it's challenging times. We're just talking about money. Here's a couple of little things. The church bulletin said this. A number of buttons have been found among the coins in recent collections. In future, please rend your hearts and not your garments. As the congregation were leaving church after the service, one woman said in a very loud voice, I have nothing but praise for the new minister. Um, A rather glum person who was passing overheard her and remarked, so I noticed when you let the collection bag pass by. (laughs) And here is something I came across that bearing in mind what is going on worldwide at the moment, I thought was amazing, and I'll share it with you. The biggest disease today is not leprosy or tuberculosis or coronavirus, that's my addition, but rather the feeling of being unwanted, uncared for and deserted by everybody. The greatest evil in this world is the lack of love and charity. Mother Teresa. Powerful words, friends. Powerful words as we think about what's going on at the moment. Well, this morning I've entitled my message Battle Stations. The phrase battle stations um, reminds me of the whole issue that we're going into battle, but we need to be prepared. We need to have a strategy. 
We need to have the right people in the right place to move forward. Correct? Okay, so we've been hearing an awful lot this year in the church about preparation, and it's no different this morning. I remember years and years ago, um, I was in a church and we had a message after message about unity. And I, I just got cheesed off with it. No, just being honest. Just being totally honest with you, I got cheesed off with it. All we kept hearing about was unity. Unity in this, in that, and people sorting it getting things sorted out and all the rest of it. And I remember saying to somebody um, who I respected in the leadership, I said, are you not, this some, somebody cannot come up with something else at the moment. And they said to me, we, we just, that's what we feel God is saying. And the interesting thing was about three weeks after I whinged and moaned about it, we had an amazing meeting where people put things right with each other because they'd heard message after message, done nothing about it, then suddenly decided they needed to do something about it. So sometimes, friends, when God is trying to emphasise something again and again and again, it's because we need to hear it. And until we get it in here, from here to here, then maybe we need to hear it again, maybe in a different way. Are you with me? So, so bear that in mind when we think about preparation. We're going to look at the um, um, story of David and Goliath. Um, and um, I think we should have some scripture coming up. Can you see that? Who said no? That's fine. Who said no? Can you see it? Okay, so now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain and please, and 10 barley loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along 10 cheeses to the commanders of the unit. Might help if I put my glasses on. <laughs> I tell you, there's a revelation there, friend. Right. Take along the ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting out the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted out his usual defiance. And David heard it. 
Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Boy, that's pretty pretty good, eh? No taxes. A woman. David asked the men standing near him, what will be done for the man who kills the Philistine, removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what had been they'd been saying and told him, this is what we've done for the man who kills him. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? I can't even speak. He turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter, and the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And Saul replied, You're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around. I would love to have seen that. I really would. I can't go in these, he said to Saul. I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag and with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine with his shield bearer in front of him kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was no more 
than a little boy, glowing with health and very handsome. And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come up with with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I'll strike you down, cut off your beard. This very day I'll give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Well, it's an amazing story, friends. And that's why I wanted us to read it out. And some of us know it very well. Um, but it doesn't do us any harm to reread some of those things that were said. It's quite interesting that David, uh, we're thinking about preparation here, but David in the previous chapter had been anointing, anointed sorry, as the new king, as the future king. So what actually happened then? Well, actually, friends, David went back to his ordinary job. Ever thought about that? That's what he did. Now, interestingly, when Saul was um, told he was going to be the king, he was thrust straight in. No preparation. Ever thought about that? Made a bit of a meal of it, didn't he? Made some errors, made some mistakes. But we read here that uh, God wasn't doing the same thing this time. He had plans for David, but he had to go through a preparation time. He returns to his everyday job of shepherding. When I was a young man, a long time ago, um, I remember I gave my life to Christ when I was 18, but I'd been in the church since I was four. Um, it's, it's another story, but um, I had a lot of knowledge, but nothing in my heart. And um, I remember um, we used to go to these conv what we called convention meetings, and um, there would be some really um, big speakers there um, who would um, uh, give a, an amazing message where people were prayed for at the end. And I remember after one of these uh, convention meetings um, uh, I'd been to, and um, 
I went forward because I felt God had spoken to me. And um, hands were laid on me. And um, I, I was told that God had real plans for my life. Um, and they were very specific and that God was going to use me. And I remember thinking, wow. I'd just gone out to work and I, and I thought, wow. And I, th- I thought, what, what's going to happen now? Nothing happened. Nothing at all. In fact, nothing happened for seven years. I was working in the um, science laboratories back then in cancer research and... Those seven years were important preparation time for me. So when we get a word from God or when we feel God has spoken to us, it isn't necessarily a a word for that moment in time. What God is saying is here is something for you to hang on to when the going gets tough, which we're going to look at in a minute. We read in this, in this story that David overcame the lion and the bear. Now, the lion and the bear just flips off the tongue, doesn't it? But let's have a think about that for a moment. I'm sure we've all seen a lion at some point. They're pretty, pretty big things. You know, if one walked in here now, I'm not sure, you know, how people would react Mind you, I do think they look amazing. I love big cats. I think they're great. But I'm not sure, friends, that I would want to be wrestling with one, you know? As for a bear, I can tell you a story of when I was, years ago, we were travelling across the Rocky Mountains in Canada. And um, it was quite late at night and... um, we were making good progress, and our guide, who was driving the um, the van with us in it, decided um, to stop. And so we thought, why has he stopped? And um, he said, if you look out to your right, at the top, you'll see a big grizzly bear. Right. So I thought, wow, great, a grizzly bear. So I looked out and. It was so far away, it was, you know, a minuscule thing in the distance. So everybody, dumb tourists, what happens? We all get the cameras out, don't we? Because we want to take a picture of the bear. Suddenly this bear decides to bound down the mountainside. Now... He was mile, he was a long way away initially. All of a sudden, he's looking a bit closer. And uh, suddenly the cameras are, ah, okay. And the chap announced, we're now leaving. <laughs> okay. The driver, he says, we're now leaving. And I, and I thought, but he's still, the, the bear was still quite a distance away. He said, no, now is the time to leave. So we all put our cameras away. We didn't get very good. In fact, somewhere in my photographs, I've got this picture with a little dot in the distance. 
But as we all belted up in the van, as we should do, and, and we, we drove away, suddenly, I, I'm not exaggerating, where the, the, um, uh, the benches are at the back, that's where the, the van's here, the grizzly bear was there. And he got on his hind legs. He was enormous. Big thing. Big thing. Now, I'm not saying for one minute, and I'll tell you what, we shot out of there pretty quick. And then we get the story from the driver, just an aside here, that uh, grizzly bears can overturn, um, you know, four by fours, no problem at all. So I'm thinking, why were we there that long, please? <laughs> I... Now, I'm not suggesting that uh, the lion, uh, the bear in this case, was a grizzly bear. Probably wasn't. But it's still a pretty big feat, friends, to rescue a sheep from the, the mouth of a lion or a bear. Because obviously the reason they've been taken is that they're hungry. So they want food. So they're not in a particularly good mood, you know? So what was going on here? What was going on was David was being prepared for bigger challenges. Yeah? So whilst nobody, hardly anybody probably, was seeing what he was doing out when he was looking after the sheep, because I think it probably was a, a pretty lonely job at times, but here's the thing, friends, God sees everything. So whether you're in the limelight or you're not in the limelight, because the timing isn't right, God saw what was going on with David. Now, we've been challenged this year on prayer. We've been challenged this year on we're being challenged at the moment on studying the Word of God. Let me tell you, as someone who's been a Christian as long as I have, it's a challenge every day, friends, to read your Bible and to pray. There are all sorts of things that come into your mind that you could be doing at a particular time. Oh, well, just, it won't matter today, Mark. Just let it go. No, well, it matters. It matters. It's a continual battle. Now, I'm not here to beat anybody up who's not praying enough or not reading enough or whatever, but what I am saying to you is there is a battle that you need to win on a personal level. Because if you can overcome those battles, the bigger battles that come, you'll be prepared for them. Relationships can be a real battle, friends. Well, I'm absolutely being serious here. The people who are closest to you can do the most damage. It's true. People you never expected to say something 
on, on a negative level, let me read to you, because we've read it in that, but I just, I just wanted you to hear what the me- how the message puts this. Um, when... This is what Elab, his older brother, said. After he'd heard David fraternising with the men, he lost his temper. What did he say? He said, what are you doing here? Why aren't you minding your own business and tending that scrawny sheep that you look after? Now, that's how the message puts it. In other words, you've got no business being here Get back to what you should be doing. Now, that, friends, did not come from just someone in the army. It didn't come from someone he didn't know. It came from his eldest brother. The one, incidentally, that Samuel looked at and thought, here's the guy. (laughs) Bit ironic, that, isn't it? God says, no, it's not him. Because he saw his character. His character there is displayed. Your character, friends, will come out when the battle's on. Oh, yes, it does. Believe you me. In your work life, you will have continual battles. What have I done here? Drop pegs on the floor. In your work life, you'll have continual battles. Battles to compromise. You know, it's a, sometimes it's a struggle for me when I'm in the portering department because I'm quite popular. And there's times when I think I should get up and walk out now because I don't like what's being said. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Just being honest with you. But the battle's there. Zechariah 4.10 says, Do not despise the day of small things. From small things, bigger things come. Training for bigger battles. Let's just look at proclamation for a moment. See, friends, David knew his God. But he also knew who he was in his God. More importantly, who are you listening to today? In this story, there are several people, you know, if we'd listened to Saul, he puts all his armour on him. And we saw the stupidity of that. We've just, I've just talked about the brother, the things he said. You see, people can be well-meaning at times, but what he boils down to, friends, is what God has said. Yeah? 
has got to said something. Who are we listening to today? Are we listening to the crowd, the people who are cowering in their tents? Every day Goliath comes out strutting his stuff. This nine-foot beast of a man, everyone's scared stiff of, including Saul, incidentally. Are we listening to the father of lies? Are we listening to the deceiver of the brethren? There are all sorts of voices that will fly around in our minds and in our heads. David knew who he was in his God. Now, I'm going to tell you a piece of information here. I recently went for an interview for a job at the hospital. I, naturally speaking, was in no place to be involved in an interview. My mother-in-law had just died, which obviously brought up memories of my mum as well. Trying to support my wife. And sure enough, I, I get an interview for a job. I was very, very tempted to knock it back, to be honest with you. Um, and yet this job was something that came up. It's a Monday to Friday job, eight to four. No more shifts. No more shifts. Or at least not what I'm doing currently anyway. And so I thought, is this what you want for me, God? You know? And I just felt that I needed to go to the interview. I thought, well, this, I really did not feel in any place to be at an interview for a job. Uh, and normally I, I've been for several interviews in my lifetime and I've usually felt I've done all right in an interview situation. I did not think in the natural friends that I was in any position to go for this interview because I just thought, waste of time. And um, John and Andrea um, texted me because they knew that I was going for this interview. And John was absolutely, well, John and Andrea, both of them absolutely dead set that I should get this job. Um, probably for obvious reasons. And I remember uh, John sent me a lovely text saying, we're praying for you. And, um, you know, and, and I just said, look, I, I said it. This has to be God because Mark Goodyear is not here at the moment. He is, he's on another planet, basically. Are you with me? I was not in a place 
to go for an interview for a job which, which could have been really vitally important for me. Andrea sent me a text which said, you are a child of the king. Do you remember? I read that and something dropped in my heart. And all the experience I've got, all the times I've preached, all the times I've led meetings, all the rest of it, and I have declared in meetings that, you know, I'm a child of the living God. Suddenly I needed to hear that at that moment in time. I needed to hear that although my mind was a mush and emotionally I was being pulled from pillar to post and, and in my own natural strength I was not in a position to go for this job, suddenly I'm hearing that I am a child of the king. Powerful. It really was powerful. I've not said a word to Andrea about this, so she's probably in shock right now. But I went to that interview, and I remember as I walked down, because it was in a different part of the hospital I was working that day, and I go, I go into the interview. The first thing I notice is the three people who are on the interview panel are all people I know personally. So I thought, wow, that made me feel... A lot easier in my in myself, and I sat down, and all I can say, friends, is God was present in the room. Those other three guys may not have known it, but I knew it. I answered all the questions. Upcomer, the upshot of it is, I start a new job. April the sixth. Mr. Goodyear is not quite hanging up his um, portering um, uniform because occasionally he will be doing the odd shifts. And that was my choice because I didn't want to leave it completely. But what he does mean is that I have my evenings back, I have my weekends back. And uh, unfortunately, I said to John, you're going to have to put up with me a lot more probably. <laughs> But well, that's fantastic. And, and I tell you, friends, that is God because I wasn't in a place. I was not in the right place. And that verse of script, that, that thought of being a child of the king, as I went into that interview, I thought, wow, if God's behind this, it doesn't matter who's interviewing me because I'm going to get the job. Bingo. I'm not going to say too much about the last point, which is being involved, participating. But we all know if we go on in the story that David ends up killing Goliath. Why did he kill him? Well, he knew that the battle belongs to the Lord. We read that. And I also want to emphasise this point as we look to finish up this morning is that he sticks to what he's been trained in, David. 
He puts the stones in a pouch. That's what he was used to doing, being the shepherd. Here's the point, friends. God created you the way you are with the gifts and the talents and the abilities that you have for a reason. And that is to win the battles that you are called to win. Not that I'm called to win, that you are called to win. I have the battles that I have to face every day. Can I just emphasise this? Do not try and be somebody else. Why do I say that? Because in our society, we have this desire to elevate people. If you put your televisions on, there's talent show after talent show that you can watch. And they get elevated to stardom and people worship them for a time and then they become unknown virtually very soon after, some of them. There's a tendency within all of us to elevate somebody to a station that they're not meant to be elevated to. Now, I'm not talking about not respecting people, not realising that people have gifts and talents. Years ago, when I was travelling on the mission field, I worked with a, uh, a guy called Carl Gidney, who was an Elim minister. I can honestly say that Carl is probably the most talented person I have ever, ever come across. He can lead worship... He can, he can um, preach, he can teach, he can do drama. He, he, you name it, Carl could do it. And Carl was really good at everything he did. And I worked with this guy. And I remember thinking, wow, oh, God, please, just let me be half of Carl. Let me have half his talents. God said, you're Mark. He's Carl. You know? And I remember talking to Carl about it. And Carl said to me once, he said, do you know? He said, all the talents, I have to give an account for those one day. I remember him talking to me about it. So I said, well, I haven't got that many, so I'm all right. <laughs> no, no, I was joking. But, but because I was working with this guy day in, day out for a few years, I could have let it get to me, and, and, and I chose not to. And in fact, I worked alongside him, and we, we saw God move in some amazing ways. But what he did show to me was that everybody has a gift and talent that God wants them to use. And as you go through these little battles, and friends, we're going through battles. This church is going through battles. But I believe, and here you could take this how you want, but I believe that God is preparing us because there are massive things ahead. There are massive Goliaths that we are going to have to face as a church. But friends, we've got to overcome the smaller battles first 
so that when the Goliaths appear before us, we can say, we know who our God is and we are going to stand in his presence and we are going to declare that nothing against us was going to prosper. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm finished. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit Brixham.Church.